UFC Marez with me, Steve Braith. It's Tuesday night, and as always, we're joined by Liam Kennedy from the Shields Gazette. Good evening, Liam. All right. It seems every time we're going to do one of these things on a Tuesday, there's always some kind of drama of some sort. Yeah, there is. And now you, you, you've frozen now. I had problems with my sound, and now you've frozen with your internet connection. Oh. So um, now you're, you're moving again now, so that, that'll be fine. But there is a slight delay between us tonight for whatever reason. Um, but hopefully people will be able to hear us and there won't be any issues. So um, let's start uh, with the squad that's been confirmed by Steve Bruce today. Um, obviously, the 25-man squad has to be named for the Premier League uh, games. And it is as follows. Debravka, Clark, Dummett, Shaw, Lascelles, Carroll, Shelby, Joe Linton, St. Maximin, Ritchie, Gail, Wilson, Hayden, Lewis, Hendrick, Kraft, Fernandez, Manquillo, Fraser, Yedlin, Murphy, Almiron, Darlow, Gillespie and Sean Longstaff. So the eagle-eyed viewers amongst you will notice that there is no place for senior players Rolando Ahrens, Christian Atsu, Artraf Lazar or Henry Sabir. Not uh, a big surprise that. The club also confirmed today that Matty Longstaff is still classified as an under-21 player which means that he doesn't count towards the 25, but that he can still play in the Premier League. So there are other unlimited numbers of uh, youngsters who are currently on the books as well. So um, thoughts on that, Liam? Uh, not, no great surprises, I don't think, especially with the uh, the senior players that have been omitted. No, I think that's it. I think um, I think we all kind of realised from the start of the summer that there are a select band of, of senior players who Steve Bruce was quite willing to, to let go. And I think... There is one in DeAndre Yedlin who does make the cut, who was who was made available at the start of the summer. Just a move didn't quite materialise. And Christine Atsu was the other one. Um, he was somebody that that has been a decent servant um, for Newcastle United over the years. Um, but ultimately, if you want to improve um, the depth of a squad, he's not the type of player you would really hang on to. He was only, only ever really signed as a as a, a squad filler um, by Rafa Benitez that first season and kept on because he was... He was um, kind of an easy deal to do, and uh, Benitez was very fearful of the transfer funds that were going to be made made available to him, and rightly so, as we as it all panned out that summer. Um, yeah, so there was no no surprises that, that Atsu um, was chopped. He's been um, sort of touted around Europe, touted around Scotland with Celtic, uh, the Championship, but ultimately the thing that's proven the problem with Christian Atsu is the wages. He's not on mega bucks, but um, when you look at a Celtic or a Nottingham Forest or a Watford looking to sign him, then he is on really good money. Um, so, and I, I say Watford, obviously, I know they've got Troy Deeney who's on mega bucks and a, and a few others as well, Saw and other players, but ultimately I think they're trying to trim that, uh, cut that cloth really in that division. And I don't think signing Atsu was really ever on the on the cards. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the, the others... I was at the 23s game this week. Did see uh, Ashraf Lazar in action. Um, yeah, I, I think enough said about him. Uh, really looks out of, out of sorts, out of shape. Um, didn't look anywhere near. So there was no fear of him ever breaking into the, the 25. Um, Rolando Ahrens, we did see a deadline day move to Huddersfield breakdown, which was a shame for him, really. Um, he's a player who needs to go. And, and do you know what? Of the lone players that, that Newcastle have been letting go over the last few seasons, almost a taggers on on the, on the squad, he's probably one of the only ones who's shown he's willing to travel anywhere to get games. He's been across the Czech Republic. He's been, he's been, he's travelled all over the place. Um, and, and I think it's a shame that he couldn't get that move because Huddersfield Town would have been a good place for him to sort of try and rebuild his career at the age of 24 because I think Newcastle fans will look at him and say, you know, there's a half-decent player in there if he can get it right. But there's never really been any fear of him staying fit enough and sharp enough at Newcastle United to hold down a place in a 25-man squad. Um, and Henri Saive, we've seen, um, we've seen flashes of him uh, very, very briefly, but that's a couple of managers now have looked at him and said he's not for me. Um, so it's no surprise that, that he's uh, cut by the wayside. But by all accounts, um, Steve Bruce was impressed with his attitude and application this summer. 
it's just he's on a big contract and nobody's gonna uh, nobody's gonna take it up. Um, I think they kind of want three quarters, three quarters paid for, if not more. Um, and, and that's just not a deal that Newcastle have been able to broker for anybody. So with anybody, so yeah, no surprises uh, from me with that squad. Um, and, and again, I was at the twenty threes. I think I think there's a few players who who could um, who who've got the potential over the, this. Maybe not be the next six months or year, but they've definitely got the potential in there to. To be breaking into into these squads of the future, um, a lot of a lot of uh, focus on on the players returning and Paul Dummett, Kieran Clark, um, and Matty Longstaff, who you mentioned, who who is young enough at twenty not to be involved in the twenty five man squad. Um, but but there was there were some impressive performances outside of that as well. Um, a young lad who went under the radar a little bit this summer when he signed was Stan Flaherty, um, from Arsenal, um, a left footed player played on the right. Really good ability just to ghost in on that left foot and whip shots in, and, and we've seen a fantastic goal from him, um, a winner with a couple of minutes left, and um, it was a fantastic one. And he, he threatened that a few times in the game. I do quite like the look of him. That was the first time I'd seen him, and um, very impressed with that bit of business. And then obviously Rodrigo Vilga, who definitely. Something really, really positive about him. Really positive. I think he's he's um he's Almiron esque. I would say and Al- Almiron almost with his head up a lot more. Um, not as frail as people seem to think that, uh, or it's been reported that he is. He took a few knocks, a few bangs. He had a little dive, a theatrical dive early on. Realized he wasn't going to get anything, and then and then cracked on with the game and, and took his hits and kept wanting the ball, kept taking players on, finding space, good pace about him. And finding good angles with his passes and and creating chances as well, which is which is crucial. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I think it's a stronger squad, the twenty-five man squad. It's a stronger squad than Newcastle started last season. It's a stronger squad than they ended the it's last season with. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think um, I think it could have been better, and I think that's a lot of people. I think I think a lot of people feel. Um, it wasn't necessarily the business that Newcastle did this summer. It was some. It was probably underlined by the lack of action at the end because they didn't do enough. Um, I would like to have seen at least one more body come in because, as we've seen in the end, we've just ended up shoehorn and DeAndre Yedlin back in and this three right backs idea that Steve Bruce talked about all summer and being a right back too heavy. We're just exactly back in that position um, with with a right back that that isn't really needed to be honest. Um, Newcastle United, for me, in these first weeks of the season, have been really proven to be um, weak in the centre of the park, and I think that's. I said that a few weeks back on here that if even even with a desperate need for another defender and desperate need for another striker or even a right back, I probably would have put midfielder at the top of my list simply because Newcastle United don't grab games by the scruff of the neck in that department. They haven't done for years. Um, John Joe Shelby can do that. Um, but um, very rarely chooses to do so. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying it's always in his choice. Um, I, I think he lacks he, he lacks pace and mobility, so he's not always going to be able to get his get a grip on games when, when the game isn't played at his um often pedestrian pace. So yeah, I think I think it could have been it could have been better, but I don't think we can have many many complaints. And like I say, I've seen little flashes of of that in the twenty threes that there are players in and around who could come in and do a job if needed. What about uh, and Flaherty from uh, the that squad? Are they close to breaking through? Do you think, or do you think they've got to get another season under their belts? So I'll deal with both of them separately. I'll talk about Flaherty first. Um, he's only eighteen. He was playing under 18s football up until this season. Um, he's he is genuinely a kid. I wouldn't expect him to break through. I think the season at that level will do him the world of good. And I would find if he's good enough, and if he really keeps kicking on like he is, you might you might see him go out on loan somewhere in January or more likely next summer. That's the problem on Aturi. That's the problem that Touré's had. He's been here for two or three years now, hasn't kicked on from the player that they signed. Um, and I, 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 do, I didn't like what I saw, to be honest. I didn't, I'll be brutally honest with you. And it, I, I always feel really, really harsh um, on kids trying to make their way in the game. But no, I, I, if I was a Newcastle fan out there, pinning me hopes on him becoming the next... Number nine, I would think it'll probably more likely be Blythe Spartans than than, uh, than Newcastle United. Unfortunately, he's just not, just doesn't look up to the level. I know he scored, but just doesn't look up the level. No when, yeah. Fair enough. We'll hold you to that, mate. If he comes through and uh, becomes the next Alan Shearer. 
<laughs> Dave saying, can you take some photographs of inside St. James's Park the next time you're lucky enough to go because he's forgotten what it looks like? Um, a lot of people asking. Have a look the There's a couple on there, Dave. A lot of people, a lot of people were asking, of course, um, about the the big news that dropped today, which was, uh, you know, following on from um, the, the big project. We've now had talk of a, a European Premier League, uh, a six billion dollar financing package has been drawn up to back the launch of a new European Premier League, and this has been revealed today by Sky News. Liverpool and Manchester United are apparently in talks about this bombshell plot, which Sky have called it involving Europe's biggest football clubs to join a new FIFA-backed tournament that would reshape the sport's global landscape. So, interesting. Um, we've had one project knocked back by the Premier League, but this is something completely different. Something which, to be fair, the three amigos, Steve Hasty and, and Neil Mitchell in particular, both predicted on last week's show that this would uh, rear its head at some point. But I don't think any of us expected it to, to come quite as quickly look when i was i was speaking to the, the pair of them last week and i was saying that it's inspector inspector hasty and detective mitchell they always seem to be on on, on the ball with this kind of thing and, and you know what they, they, they have been spot on again um it's something we've known has been bubbling around for for quite some time um and and i made my opinions on it last week quite clear and i'll, I'll reiterate them again that if if the teams at the top of english football uh, want to have their own little league, trips around Europe, week in, week out, playing these games, or they still want to be a part of the Premier League. I think they've got to make a decision. Uh, the Premier League's got it. Well, English football's got to say, right, you're either with us and you're going to fight with us to make this game better, or you're going to start your own game. So take your ball and get lost. It's just so simple to me. It's either you're either going to be here and part of this because you're only a small part of a massive, a massive game. Or you can go and start your own one, and they're totally welcome to it. I'd be quite, I'd be quite happy to see them walk away. And you know what? It would actually see a redressing of the balance in terms of the the really frail financial state that English football finds itself in, so heavily reliant on on TV revenues, and so heavily reliant on so many outside factors that it would just go back to being more um, organic. Um, the bigger clubs would get bigger crowds, would probably have a little bit more money and it kind of works that way. They'll probably get better players and that's kind of how it works. Not this overly inflated um, top six, this mini league that they seem to have uh, put themselves in, by the way. Um, we're, not talking about it. we're not talking about a dominance in English football that's lasted 20 or 30 years. We're talking about a Tottenham who've managed to shoehorn themselves in there in recent times, a Chelsea who've managed to shoehorn themselves in the last 15 to 20 years. Manchester City, who were in uh, two, two divisions below 15 years ago. We're not talking about an absolute dominance here. This is purely based on finance, on cash coming into the coffers. And if that's all they're interested in, then get yourselves away. That's the way I feel about it. And I think, I don't think, um, I think there's a lot of probably a lot of Newcastle fans listening to this and, and they'll agree exactly the same that, that wouldn't bother me in the slightest if uh, our biggest game every season was Sunderland, uh, Aston Villa, uh, Leeds United, Everton. Wouldn't bother me in the slightest. The rest of them can go because English football would probably be in a stronger place without them. Yes, there wouldn't be the finance. Yes, it would be a cheap in product, but there's still big enough clubs and a big enough history and heritage in this country, fan base especially, that English football would survive and thrive even without those. And that's that's the thing that I don't think they realise. I think I think they think this is a big threat that English football will go down the pan. Yes, it would cause financial problems. But it would redress the balance and it would sort itself out and level back off. And I'm pretty sure in 15, 20 years time, they'd be looking across to English football saying, oh, you know what, I quite fancy being back involved in that. I just think that I think it's short sighted, um, just cash signs in the in the in their eyes. And I think it's it's um it's it's a shame. I'd rather it didn't come to this. But if that's what they really want, that they're, they're totally welcome to it for me. I'm I'm not um, disappointed in the slightest if Liverpool and Manchester United want to go and kick a ball about in Turin and, and, and Paris and, and wherever they, they choose Barcelona, Real Madrid. They'll all soon get sick of it. It's not. It, they'll still want one foot in the Premier League and one foot in Europe, and I don't think that's possible. This is essentially just taking the idea, when I've looked into it, it's essentially probably taking the idea of hiving the top six off and success in English football, almost to, to then hiving off the idea that nobody else can now go into Europe. So they're just going to hive off that idea that anybody anybody else in the league, that it's only them are available to play in this 
ridiculous FIFA back competition, which is absolutely ludicrous. But we know we know for a fact this isn't me um, causing any legal issues. We know for a fact that there is corruption throughout the game. That's not talking about the Premier League. That's talking about FIFA. It's been proven in court of law that there is corruption throughout this game. So it's no surprise it's been back from the very top. So no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I have strong opinions on it, but I don't really feel like it would be a massive uh, loss um, in the short term to English football, but I do think they'd want to come back. Very interesting to hear what Liverpool fans and Manchester United fans have to say. I'm sure they wouldn't be too happy about uh, you know suddenly having their, you know, their, their travel plans being moved from uh, Newcastle and uh, Manchester City to uh, you know playing across in Turin, etc. I mean, absolutely crazy. No thoughts for supporters at all. Marty Lawrence makes an interesting point about Sir John Hall predicting a European Super League and saying that Newcastle must be in it. What do you think, Liam? Do you think we would be looking differently at this if we were in the big six? It's a really interesting question, actually. Would you be looking differently? And I've, and I've written a few articles on this about how Mike Ashley's almost been his own worst enemy and and, and um, kind of because of his management of Newcastle United in the time that he's owned it, he's, he's almost put us on the wrong side of history. I do believe that at times during that whole period, we, we were a real power player in English football. We find ourselves not probably not even on the second or third table now. We're, we're miles away from the top table. We really are. We're on the fringes, right on the edges, last in line for the buffet effectively in the Premier League, the way, the way he's run the football club now. Um, do I think we'd think differently? As fans, I can definitely say as fans, no, I don't think we would. And you mentioned it there that Liverpool and Manchester United fans, I'd be interested to know what they would feel. Um, do they really want? Um, it's, it might be nice if you've got a fair bit of money because it does cost a lot. We know that. We've been on European trips. It costs a lot of money to go to these places. When would it, when would the, um, the idea, you know, the, the novelty of... Knowing you were playing the event is twice away or Barcelona, or whatever. When would that novelty start to wear off? And when would you get crowds start getting away crowds of 500, even for a Manchester United or a Liverpool or whatever? It would maybe start to dwindle. And, and I think as fans, I think Newcastle would be thinking the same because there is a there is a, a value. There is a massive value in playing um, your English competitors. European football is a totally different game and it's something that we aspire to. Or, as fans, we aspire to, we want to be back there. As a football club, we don't. Um, but as fans, we want to be back in that competition because there is a flair to it, there is a glamour. But how long will that glamour last if if that's what the, the bread and butter is for these clubs? I think it would start to wear thin. Um, I really do. Um, and I don't I don't think it'll happen. I, I might be proved wrong. Um, I got my first one right where I made a big prediction where Lionel Messi certainly wasn't going to leave Barcelona and that one turned out all right. So I think this is just another threat. I really do. And I think these leaks are coming from somewhere. I'm not going to point my fingers and predict where they're coming from, but it's just, this leak comes a week after the last leak. Um, It's just, it's, it's all, it's all power plays. um, And it's all with the idea of getting more power um, um, in the English game and more power at the top end of the English game. And, and it wouldn't surprise us if this does come to fruition, but not as a not as a total breakaway league. It would come as into fruition as, as just the elite, um, just the elite playing the elite at the top instead of a Champions League, which um, which obviously there's there's ideas that that, that format might be rejigged anyway. Um, and I think this could be something that that sort of replaces that rather than the idea of them totally breaking away. But like I say, I've said before on here, and I've just said previously that I wouldn't be uh, disappointed if we saw if we saw them break away totally, if that's what they really want. Because if their version of, of English football is the version that they presented um, last week via Rick Parry, then I don't want them to be a part of my English football. Yeah, lots of stats been coming out uh, since the weekend, Liam. I'm sure you've seen most of them. And uh, here's another one. Only once has Steve Bruce's side had a lower expected goals conceded stat in his 43 Premier League games compared to Rafa's final season. It proves the club is going backwards. Um 17.1 shots conceded uh, on average each Premier League game, which is as bad as it was for Sunderland when they got relegated. Too many stats. Um, the big uh, stat, of course, is Newcastle United 1, Manchester United 4 at the weekend. Um, complete capitulation at the end of the game and um, completely unavoidable, I felt, because you know leaving, leaving a goalkeeper who was clearly injured in between the sticks at 1-1 wasn't the best of uh, man management ideas by Steve Bruce. Uh, you know, what was your take on it? And what, what do you think about the uh, the fallout that we've seen over the last couple of days? 
Look, I didn't like the Darlo thing. As soon as I seen him get injured out, the first thing I was saying was just get him off. You've got to sub, do it. Um, there's no point in hanging on because Newcastle were hanging on for a point. Manchester United, um, but poor Manchester United by their standards, um, were head and shoulders above um, Newcastle United on the day. Um, and, and had they scored that penalty, it might have ended up 4-5-1 anyway. Um, but I do kind of feel that with a crowd, um, if there'd been a crowd at St James's Park, I don't feel like that capitulation at the end would have happened. I think we're seeing a lot of that in, in this kind of football, that when, when a game sways a certain way, that there is almost, I'll try and explain this the best possible way, um, tell us out there if I'm being confusing, but I think there's a, a lack of accountability um, for players, and I don't necessarily think that accountability is um, conscious, it's subconscious. I think, you know, say something goes wrong in a game, you already, you look around, you're accountable, whether you take it badly or, or well. You're accountable to 52,000 people around you who are watching you. Um, and I think without that, I just don't think there's the same feel. And I don't think it's conscious. I don't think players um, like sort of give it up or whatever. But I do think there is a little bit of something lost without a crowd being there. I don't think that ends up 4-1. It might still end up 2-1, but I don't think it ends up 4-1. That's by the by. That's almost excuse-making in some ways. And I certainly don't want to do that because I think the performance overall was really poor. Um, I just struggled. Um, I really struggled to see what, what this game plan is. Um, I've asked him the question. Other people have asked him the question and it's quite a defensive answer from Steve Bruce that he, he, he feels like people are daft if they don't know what the plan is. Well, I think we're all daft. I think we're all daft as a brush because nobody can, uh, nobody can work it out. And I think my best... Assumption on what this plan may be is basically just put a team out there and give the ball to Alan St. Maximin and hope that Callum Wilson gets one or two chances a game because you know he's going to score. There isn't much of a plan beyond that. There really isn't. Um, and I think all the stats that, that fans have quite rightly been um, trawling out over the weekend um, and the start of this week just point towards that fact as well that Newcastle United are. are and, and this is going to be a Rafa comparison because I'm fed up with people saying, I, I used to say, and I'm fed up with people saying, there is no comparison. Of course, there's no comparison. Steve Bruce is not Rafa Benitez, never will be, has never achieved anything close. But there is a comparison. In fact, he was the last manager at Newcastle United. And this Newcastle United is less organised, worse defensively, doesn't create as many chances, doesn't look like scoring as many goals, and basically opens the door to any opposition with any kind of attack. Um, Burnley were rubbish against her. West Ham were rubbish against her. Looks like we caught them at a good time, to be honest. Um, yes, we played okay, but we give chances away galore. Even that go back to that first game of the season, West Ham. Um, they hit the post and the bar before we even scored, and that's that. That wasn't a game that we played well and won two 0 reasonably comfortably. This team gifts opposition chances galore. And I'm not even going to say that's the centre-half because we've got the same personnel. It's the system. The midfield's not right. The full-backs aren't right. I've, I think Jamal Lewis has got a lot of learning to do. Um, it looks like we've signed a young lad and thrown him in at the deep end, to me. I think he looks a bag of nerves at times and I don't think he's getting a lot of cover. Um, but I think it's unfair to judge him because I think the midfield is just... It, it's not right. Um, I'm, I'm not John Joe Shelby's biggest fan and I'm never going to be because of what I've seen um, from him, it'd take a lot of convincing to get me around to thinking he's a good player. Um, and you could even find a place in any team in any system um, whether he was a good player. Um, but I think, I, I, I just can't believe how Isaac Hayden probably hasn't got him got him up against the dressing room wall at times because um, I'm not Isaac Hayden's the biggest fan. I've said that on here numerous times, but he's got more legs and does more running and tries to get about and put tackles in and, and, and sort of get involved in the game. Whereas Shelby, Often when the ball goes out wide, he'll hide behind his marker quite quite obviously. And it's it's a shame to see. I don't know why the lad does it because he's got talent. And a lot of his talent, I want to see him grabbing the game by a scruff of the neck. I want to see him wanting the ball all the time. Go and take it off the fullback if he's blocked in on a corner. Make yourself available. Don't just hide. And don't just wait for the Hollywood pass across the way. Just go and get it. Go and just keep the ball moving. You see good players doing that. Really good players at the top clubs. Kevin De Bruyne is a, is a perfect example of that. Um, David Silva, I look at those type of Man City players. And yes, it's unfair comparisons. I'm not comparing them. All I'm saying is that when you see midfielders uh, like that, who play similar type of roles, they always want the ball. They're always trying to find angles. They're always helping their teammates out of out little sticky situations. And I don't feel John Joe Shelby does that enough. And I feel like 
in the midfield, which is why I'm not going to judge the defence too much, is that we feel like we're carrying players and, and he's one of them. Um, we'll carry Work Joel in. Work in progress. It's, yeah, it's... I don't know what he's trying to build. I honestly don't. I've got no idea. Um, he seems to know. And, and don't get me wrong, I hope he's right. I'd love to be proved wrong and I want everyone else to be proved wrong because ultimately I want Newcastle United to be successful. But I think you've got to see... That, that's why people bought into Benitez because even when it was rubbish and we had some rubbish games under Benitez, terrible home games, but we barely had a shot on goal and all this kind of thing, similar type things. But the thing with Benitez is you always felt there was a plan always felt there was a plan and there was a means to an end. And eventually it started to click and you always felt that towards the end of the season, Newcastle got better and better. Um, there's no sign that that'll happen with this team. Um, it's almost, I've said it numerous times this summer, and it's almost by luck rather than judgment, it was the exact opposite Rafa Benitez. And that's where the comparison to me starts and ends. Yeah, I mean, for me, lots of comments coming in. Um, nobody really understands what the system is um, and nobody really understands why Almiron has been made to be the scapegoat and not getting a look in and, and Joe Linton is still in the squad and he's got two more games under my uh, uh, under my watch before I, I, I make an honest opinion about how Joe Linton started the season and whether I think he's improved but uh, I've got to be honest I haven't seen much uh, much passion in the last uh, couple of games he, he had a, a brief spell where he seemed to be at least doing things that he should be doing but uh, Let's see how he does in the in the next couple of games. Um, Hendrick's getting a bit of criticism, and, and I keep saying, well, he's not getting played in his correct position. He's been played out wide, um, and, and I don't think that suits him. It, it just seems as if Bruce is trying to keep certain players happy at the expense of some of our better players, and it, it's 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 definitely got all the fans scratching their heads. Look, I think Almiron, we'll start with him. You mentioned a few players there. Almiron, I think when he's been given the opportunity this, this season in this system, I really don't think he's grasped it, and that doesn't say anything about him as a player, because I think he's a re I think he's a really good player. I think he's a decent Premier League player, and I think because of his work rate and his pace and, and ability to do things in the final third, hasn't got the best end product, but scores the odd goal. I do think he's worth playing in this side. I don't see where he fits in this four four two, because he's not really a proper number ten, um, so you can't play off a front man really. He's not not he just just in his position, and and out wide, yes, he's pacey and things like that, but. That, that, that's not what a winger is. He needs to do a little bit more. He's not a winger either. He, he's like the midfielder where Benitez played him in this position and that's exactly what he is. He's a, he's a midfielder who breaks um, can break quite quickly from a deeper position. Bruce uh, did try that at times last season, got some reasonable success. Um, with Joe Linton, um, I feel a bit sorry for him, actually. I think it was unfair. He was tucked into that right-hand side um, and he wasn't played as a right forward. He was basically played. He was he was five yards in front of Emil Kraft because Emil Kraft, when he plays up against anybody with any kind of pace, um, was in real real trouble. Um, and it was it was just a bizarre uh, formation and team. That whole right hand side was was just pure passengers. Kraft wasn't good enough on the day. Joe Linton was totally out of position and wasn't good. Was nowhere near good enough on the day. And uh, John Joe Shelby inside them on the right was also nowhere near good enough on the day. Jeff Hendrick, for me, um, I've been criticised of being a fan. I'm not I'm not really. I'm judging him the same as you guys. I didn't think it was his worst game um, against Manchester United. I thought he was better because he was played more in the middle of the park. I did think he was better. Um, and I would still like to see, if we're going to go down this route of playing the system that he is, I would still like to see um, somebody with Hayden. Whether the long, long term, that's a Matty Longstaff, or whether that's... Um, whether that's uh, sorry, Jeff Hendrick in the short term, I would like to see that opportunity uh, given to Hendrick to get five or six games in there because if John Joe Shell is the answer, I really don't know what the question is. And that's I don't want to be totally unfair on one player and totally single him out because there was a lot of rubbish performances. I've mentioned them there. But I just don't know what the, the question is if John Joe Shelby is the answer. We've seen it again. Other managers have played him, got rid of him. Benitez tried to sell him the first summer that he came because he knows him as a player and he knew he wasn't the type of player that um, that he wanted in. Um, if you only have to look back to that first season and Benitez, sorry, if you keep harking back about Rafa, I don't think he's God, by the way. I'm just going back to what I know. That first summer as Rafa, with Rafa, um, he tried to get rid of him. And if you remember back, he didn't play him the first couple of games because he didn't want him there. He, didn't want, he, he wasn't a player that he was pinning his hopes on. Shelby proved everybody wrong that year. He came back and was absolutely fantastic. When Newcastle lost that first couple of games, struggled, 
He brought Shelby back in and he was brilliant up until the December, then went by the wayside, to be honest, after that. And was okay the season after. So he's done it before where he's had these lulls and proven people wrong. And I actually thought John Joe Shelby probably had his best season in a lot of ways for Newcastle United last season. Um, there was end product, there was goals. Um, and in a poor side, I thought he looked half decent. I think he's looked back to his old self this this season so far. Um yeah, so I would, I would be tempted to put Jeff Hendrick back in there and then make a fair judgment on him. Again, I'm not going to make a judgment on Joe Linton playing right wing. And we're not talking about playing by playing like a defensive right wing. Um, it was ridiculous, to be honest. Um, and, and again, if that was the plan from the start, that's concerning, really concerning. Um, if it was if it was having to sort of hatch a plan when things went wrong very early, then then that's pretty bad as well, to be honest, because it didn't work all game. And he, and I think he played the full 90 minutes virtually. So, yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot of question marks that come from that. Um, I've always said this, you could barely make a good right back out of the three Newcastle have in many ways. Um, but I think Emil Kraft is definitely number three on that list after that performance. I just think against, against a big physical side in Burnley, he was decent. Um, but against anybody with pace and movement, um, he's just totally bamboozled. Um, that to me is not a Premier League fullback. Um, he should be able to adapt. He hasn't got a he hasn't got the pace. He hasn't got the mobility to play as a right back in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, probably going to be better off as a fill in centre half. Um, and having Mankio come straight back in for me this weekend. Barry Hogan and Marty Lawrence. That's all making the very valid point about the crowd. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, Steve Bruce has got to count himself very, very lucky that there's not fifty two thousand people in St James's Park paying for his blood. Yeah, he has. Uh, very lucky. He's getting away with it, really. Um, you've just got to think of, of how, if that had turned sour the way it did at the weekend, it would have been absolutely vitriolic. Not, not only would half the ground have been out by the time that fourth goal went in, but there would have been people shouting and bawling down uh, down at the dugout. There would have been, cause, because people are getting sick of it. Um, and this wouldn't have just been a one-off. It would have been week in, week out. that People would have had this. That Brighton game, I look back at that. Think of what the what the atmosphere would have been like in that Brighton game when Newcastle were just passed off the park. It was like watching uh, men against schoolboys, um, and I think the crowd the crowd aren't daft, and that's what often people look down upon fans, and, and I don't because I'm one. Um, and I think there's a lot of fans out there can make a lot of better points than pundits out there. You know what I mean? And, and I think we're an honest crowd. People say we're a bit unfair um, as Newcastle United fans. Um, but I think I think we're an honest crowd, and anybody who puts puts everything in for the black and white will get the backing of the fans, even if they're not quite up to it. Yes, people will eventually get sick of that, but I point to people like Hosselu and and people like that who will always put hundred percent in. He got more time than than Joe Linton did because last season it didn't look like Joe Linton was putting it in, didn't look like it at all. Now he's shown flashes of that this season, um, and, and and but but to be honest, there's not really much difference in quality when you assess the two, is that really? Look back on what what Hosselu was like, and what Joe Linton's like, and and would you would you trade would you trade Hosselu back in for him? And I've got to say, I think I think I probably would. Yeah, he's more of a goal threat. Um, he would always liable to sort of get on the end of something in the box. Um, whereas Joe Linton's just doesn't he hasn't got a clue where to be in the box. Um, he's not a striker, and and I think from uh, the weekend, we've definitely learned a lesson. I hope Steve Bruce has learned this lesson too as well that um, you can't play the lad as a defensive right winger covering a fullback because he's probably never done it in his life. So to ask him to do that against Manchester United, a rampant one, uh, in not in form, but was certainly uh, the confidence was high and that was probably the worst thing we could have done uh, was get that early goal. It almost just allowed it allowed us to give them the ball like we do with everybody and, and sit back and eventually they just broke with down, the ground were down. Um, and we're not for Carl Darlow, we're talking about the injury, but wow, what a penalty save. You, um, you see, when, when players strike penalties like that, they always hit the back of the net because it's got enough power and it's got enough pace to get past the goalkeeper. And you'll normally see them tipping them into the top of the top of the net or into the side netting because they can't keep those ones out. But that was a fantastic save, really strong hands. And if one thing that Carl Dahl has proven this start of the season is that he's a more than able number two. And, and I might be made eat me words in some ways about this five-year contract. I think it's a little bit long, but... Yeah, at the end of the day, if the lad's going to come in and produce performances like he has at the start of this season, um, then I think he deserves it. He deserves it. Uh, well rewarded for it. Good questions coming in as always. Liam, uh, we'll go with this one, something a bit different. What's both of your opinions on Liverpool asking the Premier League to be able to buy a replacement for Van Dijk due to the circumstances? Surely that's what squads are for. Surely they got that can't happen. 
Yeah, that's absolutely ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. Because uh, not only have they probably got another three or four centre-halves in their squad, they've also got uh, youth players who'll be at the step up. No, you can't You can't do that. That's not the rules. You kind of make your own rules up as you go along. Of course, it's Liverpool, Manchester United probably ask the same question. Um, but they want to make their own rules. But you can't do that. We all have to stick to the same rules. Goalkeepers are different. If you get two or three goalkeepers injured and you're deaf down to a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old behind them, then of course, that's, that's a specialist position. Very different position. Um, but they do things like this in, in, in the continental football, whereby uh, clubs can bring certain players in mid-season. And it's just not. No, I think everyone's got to play by the same rules. Um, I don't know what you thought about that incident with, with Jordan Pickford. Did you think, actually, I, I, it was a really bad tackle, right? But there was a good point I seen on, I think it was on Sky Sports News, and it was Rob Green was talking about it. And if you look at his eye position and see where he's looking when the ball's in the air, He's never. He's got no idea where the player is, and and for as much as I think he's daft, um, and we're like all like having a laugh at Jordan Pickford, how wound up he gets in games, and how emotional he gets, especially when Newcastle United are in town. But actually, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one, um, and I think it was more clumsiness in a lot of ways rather than intent. Um, so I don't think you can blame the goalkeeper too much, but I do think whether there's intent or clumsiness or not, he probably still should have been red carded for, for the challenge. When And you think the referee would have at least decided to have another look at it, considering it was taking ages to get the lad the lad sorted out and off the pitch. But, well, that's that's one of the, the controversies of VAR, isn't it? It's not, I don't really think it's been implemented properly since it's been brought in in English football. So, yeah, but I'm going to give the pick for the benefit of the doubt. It's absolutely ruined the game. It's supposed to make it easier. It's made it harder. It's made simple things farcical. It's uh, it's an absolute waste of time, uh, VAR, for me. And um, the offside against Marnie was absolutely ludicrous. And I mean, you know, I, I, I just, I, I'm left scratching my head by VAR. And God knows what the, you know, the managers feel like every time the, there's a decision against them. But it's um, it's awful. It's awful to say, but I, I just don't think it's better than the game. At all. As for that sending off that didn't happen, Pickford, um, you know, they seem to be they seem to be debating the offside more than they were debating the horrendous foul, which is probably putting end to Van Dyke's season. And um, you know, I, I don't like to see any player get injured like that. And um, you know, Pickford, whether his eyes were on it or not, I personally felt that you know, I, I've you know, I expected the red card. I expected him to go across the television, see it, and go, "Poor, oh, can I be doing that?" And it was dangerous play. Whether whether it was whether it was deliberate or whether it wasn't, it was dangerous play. But yeah, they've got to get VAR sorted out. And um, you know, the, the quicker they do that, the, the better, mate. Um, we've got to ask about the takeover. It's um, it certainly reared its head again. You wrote a very positive article last week um, in the Shields Gazette, and you know, since then. It seems to have had a positive effect on other pundits and other uh, other people in the know, if you like. And uh, Keith Downey, the latest to come out and say that it's still bubbling away in the background and that potentially something could happen. Um, you know, prior to the January transfer window was 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 one of the latest stories that I read. So, you know, it's it does seem positive that um, you know the, the, there are still wheels turning on that thing. Yeah, very much so. It's it's. We're all kind of limited in some ways, and I wish I wish I could tell everybody everything that, that I know, but you just can't do that in these situations. It is very delicate. Things are um, things are ticking away. That's that's as much as I want to say. The legal cogs are turning, as you said, um, and things are happening. That doesn't necessarily mean we're all going to get the result that we want at the end, um, but it, it's a positive in itself that the things are still, everybody's still at the table in whatever sense you want to take that. I'm not necessarily saying everybody's still in contact constantly or stuff's still going on daily, but everybody in part of the consortium, the legal team, other legal uh, bodies, everybody's there, the Premier League and they're talking, Newcastle United, Mike Ashley, Justin Barnes, everybody's there and things are moving. I'm going to be, I'm trying to, I want to give you more, but I can't, unfortunately. It's, it's just a, one of those situations whereby if it happens and if it doesn't, we'll be able to spill all and tell you why it didn't and why why it, it hasn't or why why it has, obviously. Um, but I think that the timescales that people are putting out there, there's been a few mentions by other people of, of kind of Christmas timescale, New Year timescale. I think, I think we'll all be in a position to know whether it's more likely to go through or not, um, probably by December. I think we'll have more of an idea then. Um, 
I think we'll be able to say a little bit more. At the moment, it's all got to stay quiet. There's no leaks coming out, which is always a good thing. And talks are ongoing. The legal cogs are turning. The legal threats are there. They are. Um, Mike Ashley's got his tanks ready, and the Premier League lawn is primed. Um, so yeah, we're, we're kind of that's where we are. We'll see how it, it goes goes on. Um, I think I think there's some easy decisions to make if the consortium do come in. Um, I'm not going to mention what those decisions may be, but I think there's people that have made it easy for them. Um, and I think it's a shame. I look at the league table now and I see Aston Villa and I see Everton, I see the fantastic players that they've brought in this summer and, and perform uh, so well. And, and this lack of crowds has become a real leveller this season. And it does fill me full of envy to think what it could have been like had Newcastle United been able to sign three or four um, really sort of future-changing kind of players. I'm not talking about spending multi-multi-millions, but just being in the market for these type of players that Everton did sign, Hammers, being in the market for even a Ross Barkley or whoever. You know, just these type of players who would have taken Newcastle the United on from there to there, um, which Everton and Aston Villa have done. And they've got off the all credit to their managers. Um, they've been they've done really well. Um, I think Dean Smith deserves a lot of credit um, for the way he's transformed a team who struggled with relegation into probably one of the most well-balanced looking sides in these early days in the, in the Premier League with a really strong defence and looking like scoring goals against anybody. Um, yeah, so, so I do look on with envy. I look at I look at those two and, and others. Um, Wolves were playing at the weekend. You look at the type of players that they were in the market for, the type of players that Leeds United signed. These are clubs with ambition. These are clubs who want to be the best version of themselves in the Premier League. And we all know that uh, Mike Ashley's Newcastle doesn't uh, really want to be the best version of Newcastle, what Newcastle United can be because we're an absolute million miles off it. And it just does fill me with a little bit of envy to think, he had they just managed to get this through, that, that um, three or four players um, really could have made a difference and we'd be up there with them, having probably won three or four games at the start of the season. James, just ask him what you made of the penalty the man you were awarded at the weekend. Um, as soon as they showed the first replay, I thought it is a penalty. Now, it isn't a penalty. We all know in the game, even if you've played Sunday league level, these, you know, these little brushes with players that they're not penalties but being very strict with the rules um, and I've got to be honest Steve I do slightly disagree with you on the VAR idea um, I actually I would prefer I, I, I like the idea of VAR I like the idea of taking that um, uncertainty out of it it's either a yes or a no it's, and it's more likely to get a, a, a correct decision I'd rather have that than feel aggrieved after a game even if it goes against you at least you know it was correct but I do think there needs to be a proper implementation of certain rules. And I think I think really that's not a penalty. But looking at VAR's rules, I did think it was. As soon as I seen the first replay, in normal football, it's not a penalty. But in VAR football, yes, it is. And is that frustrating? Yes. But but I'll take the odd frustration like that for the idea that um, a player who's definitely offside and scores and wins a game for a team, doesn't get you don't get that decision against you. Um, and I think, like I said, I'll go back to Castle of Advia on the favour, um, the Tottenham goal. And to me, that was absolutely correct. So I'm going to stand by that. If I say that's correct, then I, I have to agree. To be honest, I think the penalty was correct. He does brush him in the box. But is that is any contact in the box really a penalty? Um, I think that's the thing that has to be questioned. Um, any contact anywhere on the pitch isn't a penalty, isn't isn't a free kick, sorry. So it shouldn't always be applied that way in the penalty box. But looking at the rules, it was a penalty and I was fully accepting, having seen the first replay, that it was going to be a penalty. Um, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. You get some for and some against. Big shout out to Darren Baldwin Funerals, who've been sponsoring uh, our StreamYard uh, software this month, uh, local independent family business. Big shout out to qtechshop.co.uk. Uh, they make our T-shirts. They've been a bit of a sponsor for us as well. They do our T-shirts, which are available from NewcastleLegends.com. Also, knocking up those snazzy cups as well, which is uh, a big thank you to John for doing that. Um, we've also got 20 tickets left now for the Food Bank uh, NUFC Matters Christmas Party. And that is the 4th of December at the Tyneside Irish Centre. 80 tickets only, socially distanced event. Uh, hosted by myself, Lee Clark, coming along to answer your questions. Liam will be there. We've got a few of the, the guys and girls from uh, the other shows as well. Uh, some of the girls from Ladies' Night and uh, a few of the lads as well. Steve Hastie will be popping in, hopefully, uh, Ian Mearns. Uh, should be a good night. And if uh, COVID's cleared off, then Gibbo and Supermac might make an appearance as well. But £12, £12 a ticket, 
www.newcastlelegends.com. Uh, as I say, only 20 tickets left for that. And talking about Supermac and Gibbo, they'll be with me tomorrow night at 6 o'clock uh, to look back on the last seven days at Newcastle United. And a lot of people asking about memorabilia. Well, yes, we have got an eBay page, Newcastle Legends memorabilia. Have a look on there. Uh, Christmas is coming and uh, we've got plenty of uh, signed stuff on there. Uh, Russell Johnson says he would have sent off Rashford for diving, so he disagrees with you, Liam. Uh, Tim Cairns is asking, is Amanda Stavely's court case with Barclays concluded? It was coming to an end, Liam, last week, wasn't it, I think? It's not, I'll be honest, it's not something I've actually chased up uh, or, or uh, assessed. I'm going off purely a message that we get through the desk from PA, and it did talk about the case ending on the 16th, so... That could have been a certain stage of the case. I'd, I'd maybe wrongly assumed it was all it was all over, but there's been nothing reported. So I think we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, I think most of the most of the the um, legal proceedings are are, are uh, complete. Um, I think we'll probably see some kind of uh, result probably before the new year, but I, I can't give a time scale on that. Unfortunately, I did. Like I say, I, I was going off the message I was given from from PA. They they sent through. Uh, lists of copy and what, what things are going to be coming and they had somebody covering the case and said um, concludes uh, October 16 so you assume it concludes October 16 doesn't look to have been that way but it's not something I've chased up so I can't say for definite okay, uh, as God says Stavely's case concluded by January apparently hopefully she and PCP become £733 million richer fingers crossed for her Tom Dixon says, Liam, do you think Rodrigo Vilka might get a chance in the first team? He played well for the under-23s the other day. Probably a bit early. That, that would be my honest opinion. I think Newcastle and United are reasonably well-stocked in that department, so I'd be surprised if he gets a chance uh, soon. But Steve Bruce was there. I was at St James's. Steve Bruce was there as well. And he can't help but have been um, entertained by what he saw from the lad. He was decent. Really decent. I'll just give him. I would just give him the time. That's all I would say. I would say maybe just let him have four or five games at this level and see what he's all about. Um, but he is twenty-one. He's not. He's not a young pup uh, coming in here. Um, so yeah, I think he's got. I think that he could be a lad that we could get excited about. Um, but I don't want to build him up too much. I think there was a lot to be excited about in what I saw. But um, I'll let you. I'll let you know. I'll try and try and get to a few more twenty-three games and see. Obviously, they're all behind closed doors. Nobody gets a chance to see them. But I'll let you know what he, what his progress is like and and how he plays against certain opposition and different different kind of challenges. But um, early early uh, signs are very good. That's a good question for you, Liam. From James Brown, uh, from a journalist perspective, what is Steve Bruce like to work with? Uh, as a journalist, um, yeah, he's all right actually. Um, I've been experienced a lot of really really difficult managers um over the years uh, confrontational uh, prickly managers and i wouldn't say that steve bruce is is like that um unless you're craig hope and you've reported that alan st maximum was fit to play the last weekend um other than that he's been pretty pretty straightforward and, and positive and, and i actually quite like him uh, i do um but that doesn't mean you know, you can like somebody and then not rate them particularly professionally. And I don't think it's unfair to say that Steve Bruce um, Steve Bruce would not get any other Premier League job. I think that's pretty fair to say that. I think Newcastle United was the only job he would have got. Um, I think you'd be looking at the championship for his next job where he to be sacked or walk um, in the next couple of weeks. It would be a championship job for him. It wouldn't be another... He wouldn't walk into a Premier League job. And that says a lot about Mike Ashley's Newcastle United and says a lot about Steve Bruce. Absolutely for me. I think that's where he belongs, uh, Steve Bruce. But um, championship, definitely. Uh, I see where you're coming from, but he's he's beyond that for me. Like he's he's absolutely rank useless. Uh, would you try Vilker in the cup? Says Simon Davies. No, no. I want to go and win. I want to go and uh, win that game. Uh, you may be talking about the FA Cup. Yes, uh, you might try him in the FA Cup. Um, give an opportunity off the bench, something like that. Um, but uh, not the League Cup. I'll play the strong. Newcastle have got to play their strongest team. It's the week before Christmas. Go and get a result there and go and win and give us something to give a little early Christmas present because we haven't had many of them over the years. Some negative stick from the Leicester fans. Would it be worth a punt trying to bring him back even if it was for a one uh, for a loan deal? Can't see that happening. No, neither can I, but do you know what? Um 
I might might be controversial, but I, I was a massive Perez fan. Um, I thought he was really, uh, really crucial to that side and really crucial to the way Benitez wanted to play. He was a grafter and was very intelligent the way he worked between the lines. Um, Almiron is a good player, but doesn't do that at the same level, nowhere near. Um, Perez was also probably most of the way through his career at Newcastle was the best finisher at the football club. We didn't always get to see a lot of that. You know, he came into, his, came into his own towards the end of seasons. But again, that was another idea on how fit he was, how, um, how professional um, he was and, and to me um, and he always said Perez should have been somebody that should have stayed in Newcastle United for the rest of his career we should have made him wanted made him want to stay showed ambition but I don't blame him for leaving um, because he went to a Leicester side although not a bigger club a Leicester side that wants to be the best version that they can be want to sign good players want to play good football and Newcastle United it's anti-football at times um, and I think that's the problem that Steve Bruce says he's trying to transform Newcastle into an attacking side they look anything but really. They just look like a, a really disorganised side with a few more attacking players in them. Okay, uh, Stuart Penman. Thanks for that offer, mate. You're the second person who has uh, has done that for the uh, for for the Christmas do uh, bought tickets and donated them. So that's a big thank you to you, mate. If you can do that, that would be great. And we will give them to uh, Steve Hasty, and he can uh, pass them on to somebody who uh, works for the food bank. Uh, Alan White says Vilka will be uh, all the others we signed will not get a chance and will be sold or releases in a couple of years uh, Simon Davis says yes he did me in the FA Cup Tim mm. uh, I'm, unfortunately my headset isn't charged today I've been too busy writing another book and uh, forgot to charge my headset so I've got my iPods in which isn't ideal but at least we've managed to to, to, uh, to get through the show uh, Russell says Perez was class for the tune Baz Doss says the Super League which we were talking about right at the start of the show uh, means no opportunity for other clubs to get what is now Champions League money it removes any reason to compete for other clubs because they can't get the money for finishing high uh, Liam do you think there's any chance of actually replacing Bruce with another manager um, if the takeover is going ahead Rich says but let's just talk about this whole situation with Bruce is he is his job safe? If his results continue in the same vein? Um, I'll answer that question. There's no way Ashley will replace Bruce, even if a takeover is going ahead. I think he'll probably hang on. Um, and I think we'll probably muddle through. I think um, Mike Ashley's a big fan of Steve Bruce. Um, they got on really well in the meetings, reportedly, that, uh, that they had um, in the run-up to him getting the job. It was really an Ashley appointment. Um, which others haven't been. Um, and I, I just think I'll be very, very surprised. I think it will take um, real drastic downturn in results for Steve Bruce to get the bullet in Newcastle. I just don't think we're anywhere close to that, to be honest. I know a lot of fans will be frustrated by that. But um, no, nah, I just don't think we're anywhere close to that. I think Newcastle will probably have to lose uh, from now until Christmas um, for any consideration of Steve Bruce walking out of the door. Uh, Kevin Chilvers says, uh, uh, "You heard that you had a canny conversation with his mum yesterday at the game. She said you're a lovely lad." <laughs> yes, I, yes, I know who your mum is now. I did, I did speak to her on the way, and yes, no, I had a, had a good big crack about the game, and she was asking. She was first thing she said went, "Where are you from?" I was like, "Shields," because she went, "Well, where's Miles? Like, where's he gone?" I was like, "No, no, I'm just stepping in front of you." So no, no, it was good. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah and your mum seemed to enjoy the game as well. So Andy Smith, if you had a problem with that, contact John. He's in the chat tonight. Um, if you did, if that is a joke, fair enough. But if it did fall off, then uh, contact John. I'm sure he'll send you a replacement. Uh, under Ashley, everybody has a price. No player will stay for life. Says Fungo Freddy. Uh, Trolls just says great, great uh, show as always. Thank you. Agree, Liam. For 100 years, fans always complained about bad decisions especially for the uh, top six. Mike Stewart says, lovely to see the food bank raise quite a lot on the back of the Sky 1495 rip-off. Yeah, brilliant yeah. effort by everybody at the food bank, Liam, wasn't it? Yeah, all excellent stuff. And it just shows what what a, um, a positive a positive fan base that we can be. We get criticised for being negative, but we can re if we really get behind something, as we proved in the summer, with the fan movement for the takeover and, and the fan movement against uh, pay-per-view, which was just right, um, yeah, I think um, I think it's a real positive, and Newcastle United fans again pat yourselves on the back because it's been a fantastic, uh, absolutely fantastic uh, amount of money raised, and that'll make a big, big difference to a lot of people at this time of year when you know money might be getting scarce for some people in, in difficult situations, and, and that's 
that's the thing that, that people really need to remember when they're putting that money across. It isn't just a movement against uh, pay-per-view. It's a real movement towards um, helping helping people like us, people like us who might be have come on bad times and might need it more than what you do. And a fantastic movement, really, really positive. Yeah. Um, Colin Wilson was asking, what's the book called? Confessions of a Players Liaison Officer. I was the fans liaison officer, not the players liaison officer. <laughs> and uh, no, it's, uh, you'd be surprised to hear it's about another... It's another gangland book, which, of course, uh, I get quite a bit of criticism for writing as well, but uh, it pays the bills. Um, Andy Smith mustn't be, uh, must be joking. He's not on the sales list. You've been found out, Andy. See, when you've got the guy who does these things and he's sitting watching, he knows that you're, uh, you're, you're pulling a flanker there. Uh, Stu says, great show. Sorry I'm so depressed. Just not uh, much to be happy about. Good for the food bank. Try and keep your chin up, Stu. Uh, if you ever need to give a you know talk, just give her a shout. Um Let's look ahead quickly, I suppose, now to the game at the weekend. Wolves coming up, Liam. Um, how do you see that going? I mean, Steve Bruce does have a habit of pulling results out of nowhere. He's going to need to do that this weekend, isn't he? Yeah, it's really difficult to go into any game without the idea of a plan um, and be positive. Um, Newcastle could easy... They went there and got a, a ones each uh, last year. You could see something similar this year. You could even see them scraping a win um, because they've got a little bit more than what they had last year um, in terms of the forward areas. Um, but yeah, yeah. If Wolves, if Wolves click like we know they can click, they're a better team than Newcastle United. The league table last season proved that. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll. I think we'll probably get beat. I think probably get beat two one. Might even be 2 0. But you never know. It's so hard to make predictions in this division, the way that football's been played and the amount of goals that are involved. It's really difficult. Bobby Taylor makes that point. It's due to the crazy situation. Uh, near all the games have had bizarre scores. Do, do you think we can get a finish in the top half? Most away grounds hold little fear factor. I'm, I'm not so sure about finishing the top half, but you are right, Malky. It's been absolutely mental, hasn't it? And it is, there isn't a fear factor. Every game's like a training session. It is, yeah. And and, and uh, games games the previous would have ebbed and flow quite quickly. And and like I say, there would have been accountability with crowds there and noise and, and um, referees getting pressured into decisions. Players being pressured into mistakes by the crowd, which happens. There's none of that. Uh, it's a sterile version of football and any result can go any way. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if we see one of the the self-proclaimed big six drop out of their own little pocket at the top of the division. It wouldn't surprise us if we see a middling team uh, in Newcastle United's bracket really struggle or really do really well. It's such an unpredictable uh, season, really is. And I'm not going to sit here and make any bold predictions, but I do. I think if Wolves click on Sunday, I think we might struggle um, because they're a better side than us. They've got better players in the forward areas. They've got better defenders than us. Um, so, yeah, they're all around better side. And you've got to say that ultimately, most of the time in these training ground games, it's the better sides that do come out on top. But it's it's ridiculously unpredictable. Ridiculously. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, just a bit of promotion for us, Andrew Malloy. Thank you for joining. Um, there are loads of ways that you can help us keep this, uh, this service going. We don't charge for this. Obviously, we all do it for free. Um, if you can join the channel uh, and submit a little bit of cash, that's great for us. Um, if you just... Subscribe. That again. That is free. Costs you nothing. Just subscribe to the channel. Just means you get notifications of when the shows are coming on. Please do that. Um, that does help us. Um, and just hit the little thumb. Uh, given that, given the program and giving each video a like and even sharing it, maybe it's onto a Newcastle United Facebook group or onto your Twitter account or or whatever your, your your LinkedIn account. All of that kind of stuff helps build the show up and gets us more subscriptions and helps us continue to do these shows. And obviously with COVID still hanging around and no games to be on, uh, we'll continue to do this seven nights a week until uh, until we get back to some kind of normality. But um, Liam, as always, I would like you to give a little bit of a promotion to what you do, just so people can find you and, and, and read all the good work that you write about Newcastle United. No, you guys, you know by now, if you watch us regularly, I work for the Shields Gazette. We, we, we don't work on a clickbait idea where, where it's, um, we get judged on the amount of clicks per, per story that we write. We work on a subscription model. We try to do a little bit more in-depth, a bit more analysis of the decisions and, and that you see out there. We've had lots of exclusives um, this summer, um, and we'll continue to do so. Myself, uh, Miles Starforth, Ross Gregory, Jordan Cronin. Got a good Newcastle United team there. And we have a lot of Sunderland content as well. 
um, a lot of Hartlepool, Middlesbrough. We, we cover a lot of the northeast. So yeah, if you guys want to want to um, subscribe, it's it's not expensive. Um, it's quite cheap, but that's the way of the industry that you're going to have to start paying for for the work that's done. Um, we've had a lot for free over the years, and unfortunately, everyone's got to make some money out of it. And, and unfortunately, that's what we've got to do. We don't want to have to, but um, yeah, if you want good journalism, you're going to have to pay for it. I think people are, people accept that or starting to get around to that idea now. And, and it's the same with it's going to be the same in local newspapers too. Been a bit different hashtag Bruce out. <laughs> yeah, I think our fans have had enough, mate. A lot of people are really sick of Steve Bruce, and um, it'll be interesting to see how things uh, progress over the next couple of weeks because that is uh, Steve Bruce's favourite word. Answer to Tim Cairns regarding empty grounds. Bruce is so lucky that there's no fans in the ground. Yeah, we did we did mention that a little bit earlier. Great show yet again, lads. Looking forward to next Tuesday. Fingers crossed we're discussing the positive results. Cheers, Liam. Good crack as always. And like I said last night, Ashley will not sag Bruce as long as the deal is active, says Nicholas. Uh, big shout out again, as I said, to the sponsors. Brilliant to have uh, you on, Liam. It's always, uh, it's always a good show. And I will be back tomorrow night uh, at six o'clock with Supermac and with John Gibson getting their views on Newcastle United and uh, what's happened over the last seven days. Finally, happy birthday to Ian Rush. And I was there the day that he scored his goal. Uh, until tomorrow night at six o'clock, it's good night from me and good night from Liam.